Welcome back to Trashy Divorces, everyone. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends. I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today. We are so glad you are here. Alicia, it has come to my attention that it is Leo season, which makes you a birthday person. It is. It's birthday time again. Here I go again. <laughs> for today's episode, y'all, with over a thousand episodes that we have on Patreon, we literally have about 19 podcasts that all live over there. Yeah, little, little series With a fun range of all things trashy, but one of my very favorite arcs from over there. We have dozens of episodes on the Trashy Tutors. I'm pulling this one out from October of 2019 today to kick off birthday a month. Henry VIII, definite Hall of Famer. Oh, Hank. Oh, Hank. It was worth another mention. Today's episode is all about Henry VIII, focusing in on his mistresses, but it is an episode that is action-packed with his wives, too. If y'all like good, sorted 16th century gossip, this is the one for you. Before we start today's episode, I have this nice old magic mirror here with some names in it for our newest supporters on Patreon. Stacy, who joined us this week? Absolutely. Thank you to Linda S., Sylvie H., Amanda S., and Gretchen S. Holy cats and Rihanna J., our latest super supporter over on Patreon. So much love to all of y'all, to our Patreon folks, and for you for coming back to listen. Alicia, what should we do now? Here I go, go, go again. All right, Alicia, um, I understand you have something special to do. I'm having to sit in a different chair because there's a sunbeam in my normal chair, which means that there are cats fighting over a sunbeam. In my normal chair. Well, so, you're not a monster. You're not going to kick him out of the chair. I would never. That's why you're sitting in the chair. In delightfully so. Indeed. So if I seem a little out of sorts, it's just because I'm not where I should be for this. Welcome to Trashier Tutors. Welcome to Trashier Tutors. Your deeper dive into, deeper the, dive. Filth, into the filth and villainy, the scum and villainy. Of the Tudor era. That was Star Wars Tudor. So in honor of the launch of Side Piece, I wanted to launch off trashier tutors with a little bit of uh, Side Piece action. The Mistresses of Henry VIII. Old Hank. Hank Eight. I love that these were documented because he was a king. Well, hold on. We're going to get there because we shouldn't know about a lot of the confirmed ones. There's a lot of rumor. We're Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so we all have an image of Henry, remembered mostly for the six wives and the tyrant thing. But you have to remember that this is a kid that was never going to be king. He grew up with his mom and his sisters, quiet and happy. He's coddled. He likes the attention of women, and that is his childhood. Remember, he is the second son. He has a brother, Arthur, who's everything to Henry VII. And Henry VIII is sort of the cast off. He's with his mom. This is going to have an impact on him. Also, he's a cancer. So, cancer men, oh, they need the emotion, like in the sons too. But like, they have this romantic view of love. And he's very much kind of a one-woman guy. He's a deep romantic. He's going to feel it all. So, history kind of records him as this great Lothario, but not really. <laughs> um, he likes courting and connection. Henry has six wives. The whole first episode we did of Trashy Divorces about those fascinating women, 
Henry may or may not have also had a shit ton of mistresses. Like, total maybe. So Henry is a really private dude and took a lot of measures to cover his tracks. All his friends at court gave him a lot of cover as well. Besides, you know, being the king, and I can boss people around. Sure. Oh, and I'm a cancer cardinal sign, so I make the rules and make the list. Also, he's the king, so he makes the rules and makes the list. Yeah. Well, his wives also gave him a lot of allowance. So there are three verified mistresses for sure. I mean, what were they going to do? Divorce him? Yeah. (laughs) Three verified. We know about three of them. Maybe up to a dozen more ladies that are alleged or tied to him in a coulda happened kind of way. Like, we're never really going to know. This is some locked down information. But the thing I want you to remember is that he is nowhere near as dirty as his French counterpart, King Francis I, Frankie the One. Okay. Frankie the One is dirty. Like, Frankie the One does have syphilis. He is lusty. Like, he has a shit ton of kids with his wife, Cloud. But it... Okay, we're going to talk about him, too. Anyway, Henry instead has two types. Uh, Quick fucks, typically lower-born women, or the wives of his friends, or ladies in his current wife's court. (laughs) He's definitely got two types. The... Quick ones are going to kind of go pretty fast. There's going to be a few maybe fallout kids from those. Also, the mistresses that are accomplished and refined and can play at court stick around for a while in a romance, wife be damned. Sometimes the country be damned too. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, this is sort of what he wanted Anne Boleyn to be, right? Yeah. 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 So Henry, second son, never meant to be king. Henry's been chilling at uh, Elton Palace with mom in no way prepared for rule. He is 10 when Arthur, his older brother, dies in 1502. Now, remember, Arthur, six months before, has married Catherine of Aragon. They are both stricken with something, maybe sweating sickness. Whatever it is, he dies, she pulls through. She has now been married for six months. She's in a cold, wet castle, now a widow, At 16. Henry's mom dies the next year when he's 11. So brother gone, mom gone. And whoa, Henry's the, he's now Prince Henry. The heir apparent, yeah. So Henry VII and all of his weirdo plans decides that Catherine of Aragon, of course, is the perfect wife for Henry We can continue this English-Spanish alliance, but she's like 17 and he's 11, so that's not weird at all. Henry VII says they'll marry in two years, which gives Henry VII a lot of time to fuck around with how he manages to fuck Catherine of Aragon around. Anyway, her dad, Ferdinand, has promised 100,000 crowns and plate and coins. It's not received. Like, Henry VII is shit to her for years She's fucking hungry. She sells her jewelry, whatever. Henry VII keeps her penniless. Woo! The king is dead. Long live the king. April 21st, 1509. Henry VII dies of tuberculosis. Thank God. He's out of the way. And now you have this hot, sexy 18-year-old. I can joust for real. 
he tires six horses a day and builds tennis courts and is an accomplished player. And he's a wrestler and an archer. But oh, wait, he writes poetry and composes music. And he's so charming. And he's handsome. And oh, there's fiery power in his eyes. And he's the best dressed and most attractive king that's ever lived. Like he has magnificent calves. His height is 6'2". Where the average height That's of quite the, tall for yeah, the, day, the yeah. English man is like 5'7". Okay. So, so he, he, he is a cut above. Oh my God, totally a cut above. He is like universal. Like everybody's fucking done with H7. Henry VII, just be done with you. And here comes poster on the wall, Henry VIII. Okay, universal acceptance. Huzzah! And whoa, he's an eligible bachelor. He's handsome and fair and wonderful and, like, let's do this. But Catherine of Aragon is the one for him. And she's endured seven years of crap to be queen. And in 1509 in June, they marry. Small ceremony, Greenwich Palace. So, like, six-year difference between them. He's inexperienced. Catherine of Aragon teaches him how to be a fucking king sure. and does for the next 26 years. No, it's amazing that, I mean, they've known each other for, like, 10 years at this point. Like, it... And they both survived that 10-year span, which is... Well, like a happy... Cool for the day. Uh, well, Catherine gets pregnant immediately. And so this is going to start a pattern for old Hank. Because when his wife is pregnant, he's going to fuck around. Okay, essentially, he believes it's really bad if I don't get some somewhere. So I can't fuck my pregnant wife. So certainly she would understand. I think this may have been an idea that was held at the time. It was like if you like the semen would back up and absolutely you would, it would lead you to madness or whatever needed to be. Yeah, I have sexually some, active. some vague memory of that from uh, but it was for men only like women were not. Oh, no, women don't have needs. <laughs> Come on. Come on. OK, except for the devil ones. <laughs> it was a tough time. It was a tough time. So the first of these is when Catherine is pregnant with her first child. And this mistress's name is Anne Hastings. She's the Countess of Huntingdon. She is originally Anne Stafford. She is the sister of Edward Stafford, the third Duke of Buckingham, thus the second cousin of Henry VIII. (sighs) She's newly married. She's in Catherine of Aragon's household. Henry's close friend, William Compton. William Compton is his... uh, pimp i don't know there were a lot of meetings at compton's house compton gives him a lot of cover acts as a go-between a lot although Anne later goes on to have an affair with william compton henry is so mad about this he sends her away from the court should we make a joke about straight out of compton at this time straight out of compton that's it well straight out of the court and compton because henry's pissed about it so this first pregnancy from catherine is a stillborn child at eight months. Both Henry and Catherine are devastated. She remains in confinement until she's actually pregnant again. And on New Year's Eve, that same year, she's in labor with another child. She needs a son. Congratulations, it's a boy. There are bonfires and wine in the street and cannons fired from the tower. It's party time. Henry VIII is joyful. He's been married a year and a half. He has a son. His masculinity rules the world. He has lived up to his dead father's expectations, his cod pieces, 
in his paintings get bigger about now. What does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Less than eight weeks after this child's birth, the child dies. So this is a blow to Henry big time. He needs to feel a little better. Remember, he goes to war with France. He appoints Catherine of Aragon regent. She fights war with him, ends up killing his brother-in-law, James IV, King of Scotland. She's better at him, at ruling, than, like, she's better at war. She's better at peace. She's better with people. She's better at, and he, now Henry's a little mad. She gets pregnant again. He doesn't, uh, he's such an ass. I hate this dipshit. Like, he doesn't want a queen anymore. He needs a wife and a son. Late in 1513, there's another child that dies hours after its birth. So three kids. The following son, there's another son that dies. Like, she can get pregnant, but these kids are not living, and it's seen as her failure. And stillbirth and infant mortalities are really getting Henry down. So it's time for a new mistress, Jane Poppincourt. Great name. It's a good name, isn't it? She's a French maid of honor. He was at the court of Louis the Twelve, and later Frankie the One, Francis the First. So Jane Poppincourt, for around twelve years, has held a position in the English court. At first, she's hired on to teach French to Henry's sisters, Princess Margaret and Princess Mary. When Henry and Henry being around his sisters, like he's gonna know her. She's a older. She's a little saucy. Uh, when he ascends the throne, she's appointed to maid of honor for his wife, Catherine of Aragon. By 1514, there are rumors that she is the king's new mistress. And this is pretty under, pretty undercover, but all Jane Poppincourt really wants to do is go the fuck home back to France. So when Henry's sister, Princess Mary, is getting married to the old French king, Somebody gets Jane Poppincourt's name on the list to accompany Mary to be one of her ladies-in-waiting and go back home. Louis Twelve sees Jane Poppincourt's name on the list and is like, nope, she's a big fat slut. That's not going to happen. She should be burned at the, she's going to be burned at the stake if she comes back to France. Yikes. <laughs> uh, eventually, she does get back to France after the death of Louis Twelve. In 1516, with a parting gift of a hundred pounds from Henry VIII. That's cool. Yeah. So in February 1516, there is a fifth labor. Catherine now has a child that lives. It is Princess Mary, a girl. So not exactly what Henry was hoping for. Not really. Okay. So they have a lot. Not all of them live, obviously, but they have they have a lot of children. Catherine's now 31 when life expectancy is mm-hmm. nah. No, and pregnancy, well, delivery was one of the most dangerous things women could do. And they got to do it all the time. <laughs> well, Henry needs a boy. Because remember, oh, here's your pop quiz, pop quiz. Three women in English history so far have tried to rule and all have failed. We've talked about all of them. Can you remember them? Um... Pop quiz, pop quiz. Uh, Matilda. Matilda, there we go. She was the first one, I think. Um, One is from France. Isabella of France. Of France. And Margaret of Anjou. Anjou. Mags of Anjou. Okay. Like the pair. So a girl is not going to work in this situation for Henry. Well. It's 
15, 16. Funny how things work out. That's all I'm saying. But Henry's busy. Is really... Like, he's not the cheap philanderer, no matter what the HBO tutor show might tell you. He needs to be emotional. And floozies aren't necessarily his thing. Uh, Remember, he's a cancer. He's got emotions and the moon and all the feelings. So here comes another mistress. His Catherine of Aragon is about done with her usefulness, at least to Henry. Enter Bessie Blount, Elizabeth Blount. This mistress is confirmed they had a child. Bessie Blount is born in 1498. So where Catherine of Aragon is seven years older, she, Bessie, is seven years younger. She's born in Shropshire. And not much is known about her childhood, but apparently she's gorgeous. And her family home is under the jurisdiction of the passed away Prince Arthur. So it is in all likelihood that a very young Catherine of Aragon knew a very baby, baby Bessie, and they've been connected. It is possible because of this that Bessie's parents get their daughter into the queen's household. She comes to court as a maid of honor for Catherine of Aragon in 1512. She's paid a hundred pounds that year, which is half the salary of a lady in waiting. But six months later, she's making full wages. By 1514, she has turned the king's head and remains Henry's lover for the next eight years. Wow. In June of 1519, a pregnant Bessie disappears from court, taken away in the dead of night by Thomas Wolsey into the safety of the Essex countryside. There at the Augustinian Priory of St. Lawrence at Blackmore, this place is really famous in Henry VIII lore because he calls it Jericho. So anytime he needs to go fuck off, have a fuck, get away, that's his little man cave. But they he calls it Jericho, so all of his attendants can just be like, oh, the king has gone to Jericho, and it sounds so yeah. biblical. Sure. It's not. <laughs> okay. There at Jericho, Bessie gives birth to Henry Fitzroy, Everybody knows, right, Fitzroy, like son of a king. He's the king's only acknowledged illegitimate child. And Henry is like, I can totally have a son. None of Catherine of Aragon's baby woes are my fault. And like this kid is happy and healthy and he's talented and he's smart. And so Bessie raises him for the first few years and then he's sent into the household of Cardinal Wolsey. He's given dukedoms of Somerset and Richmond. So this would mean, theoretically, that his offspring down the line might be, right? Like if he's nobility. Yeah. His family could be in the running in the future for. If he didn't die. Well. In 1536, which devastates Henry. I think it's his punishment for beheading Anne Boleyn. He died the month after. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay, but he's born. Let's just, we're going to talk yeah, he, about Yeah, the, Henry now realizes like, okay, I'm, I can have I'm a not son. just, I'm not just planting girls. I'm, and I can have a baby and the baby like lives and is wonderful and is smart and he can uh, recite the whatever of the Caesar blah, blah, blah. So this is when Henry starts thinking maybe there's a curse upon his union with Catherine. Is that... It's a little bit before, but close. This okay. is definitely because remember One biblical scholar feeds, Henry yes, VIII. I know he ends up being a marvelous biblical biblical scholar. Right. This is this is getting there. 
So this kid, born in 1519, he arranges, Henry VIII, arranges a marriage for Bessie with this dude named Gilbert Tallboys. Well. I know, right? Sounds promising. Gilbert Tallboys. They marry in 1522. Maybe the Tallboys have a history of family insanity. So that's fun. Okay. Yeah. Um. Here's the thing, though. Technically, this 1522 period ends the affair with Henry. So going on eight years. But he was head over heels about her. And they had a son. And there's little Henry Fitzroy given titles and land and put in line to assume the throne. So think about how many generations we are not removed from that. Oh, you're illegitimate. You can't claim the throne. I mean, this was hot news every other fucking decade for the last 150 years we've talked about. And now Henry, right, is maybe you can be a legitimate claimant because... I need to have a boy. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like his dad was a little sketchy on the claim. So why not? Why not? We're just winging it here, making it up as we go along. Oh, gosh. It's just all bad. So poor Catherine of Aragon, like, she has to acknowledge Henry Fitzroy. He, like, puts him in, he puts him at six as the successor. And Catherine of Aragon has to acknowledge it and Bessie. And Bessie is called the, you know, mother of the king's son. Oh, my God. I know. Okay. But Bessie has another kid, a daughter in 1520. This is two years before she marries Tallboys. But this child, Elizabeth, does bear Tallboys' name and title. Pretty much guaranteed to be the king's kid. There was some dispute within the daughter's marriage where the husband wanted to assume her family title. And no, only she could. There, it, So it gives it a little bit of, like, suspiciousness. Interesting. Bessie, so yeah. she had some rights that wouldn't normally fall to exactly. a woman. Okay. And it's, you know, long dead. We're not going to find out. But there's possibly, you know, a, another child. Bessie does marry. When Tallboys tall dies, Bessie remarries. And she... Lives So she lives longer than Henry Fitzroy, who dies in 1536, in May of 1536. Bessie also serves briefly as lady-in-waiting to Anne of Cleves before her death in 1540. But that is really Henry's first, uh, Bessie Blount, Henry's first confirmed eight-year-long mother of his two children mistress. The ladies of the Oak Tree Group are celebrating our All-Star Season 15 with this PSA inspired by Smash Mouth. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Getting paid is only half the battle. The amount you keep and put to work for you makes the difference in your life. All that glitters is gold. Only shooting stars break the mold. And even the stars need some help every now and then. The three financial strategists of the Oak Tree Group know all about breaking molds. Yep, what a concept. I could use a little fuel myself and we could all use a little change. Take advantage of their free one-hour consultation offer. Fuel up on the power of knowledge and see the change you can bring into your financial world. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Hey, it's never too late to start making more informed decisions about your financial matters, but the years do fly by before you know it. 
That's right. You'll never know if you don't go to www.theoaktreegroup.net for more information or call 770-319-1700 for your free one-hour consultation. That phone number again is 770-319-1700. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Okay, now by this time, Henry VIII might be looking for a little strange. So enter Boleyn's sister number one, Mary. This is confirmed mistress number two. Mary's fresh out of France, where she was rumored to be having an affair with the French king, Frankie the One. Like, for real. He slept with everyone. Mary's over in France as a lady-in-waiting, and Mary Boleyn over in France as a lady-in-waiting to Princess Mary, who was sent to marry the old king, Louis Twelve, who dies a few months later. Frankie the One is his son-in-law. We're going to talk about Princess Mary at a future date, but that's how Mary Boleyn is at the French court, fucking Frankie the One. Okay, so Thomas Howard, Mary's dad, is the ambassador to France, so she sticks around once Louis Twelve dies. So after the affair with Frankie the One, Mary comes back to England in 1519, and she gets a gig as a lady-in-waiting for... Catherine of Aragon. You got it. Marries a dude named William Carey in 1520 and begins an affair with the king. So she, then she's Mary Carey? Mary Carey. Mistress of the king? That's it. Love it. Off starts this hot and heavy affair because Henry's learned it's just easier to marry them off before the affair begins. He took a lot of trouble having to marry Bessie after the babies. It's just easier to marry you to one of my friends and oh. let me fuck you. And then if there's a kid. Eh. Right. Okay. So... <laughs> At this time, Mary Bowen kind of, she is legendary around the French court as the English hackney, the English mayor. Like, and Frankie the One and Henry VIII, they're obsessed with each other. Like, they grow beards at the same time. They wrestle together when they meet. They're trying, like, whose cod piece is bigger? Like, you have to remember the Field of Cloth of Gold in 1520, like, where Henry builds this pleasure palace and he's got two fountains and one with wine and one with beer. And Frankie builds a um, circus tent-like thing. But his thing is so extravagant that it takes two ship holes to hold up the canopies of this, like, two-week who-has-the-bigger-dick contest at the Field <clears throat> of the Cloth of Gold. Anyway, some historians are like, oh, Henry VIII totally had syphilis. I don't think he did. Frankie the first actually had syphilis and mercury injections or what you get into your... Back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to get syphilis. <laughs> you don't want to get mercury injections either. Uh, there's an Especially episode... not in your penis. Yeah, there's an episode of Sawbones about that. Ooh. Worth hearing. Ooh. If only for... So when you have these mercury injections in your penis, you have to be under like you're out of the way you have a six-week regiment where you aren't around anyone henry the eighth never has that he never actually disappears from court right all okay. the screaming probably upsets people <laughs> probably and it didn't cure it by the way in case you're at home going wow i think i might have syph no 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 do not break open that thermometer do not <laughs> not a cure so much on trashy divorces. This is Dr. Stacy. 
Okay. <laughs> Looking out for you. So Henry VIII and Mary Boleyn are pretty hot and heavy. Mary has two kids. From here to like 1522, a girl and a boy, Henry and Catherine. We only know that are also rumored to be the king's children. <laughs> uh, both of these children are in Elizabeth I's court. She is very close to her Carrie cousins. Because these are her aunt's kids, right? Yeah. All right. So you're saying they could be half siblings? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. Okay. We only know about this relationship with Mary Boleyn because he was required to get a dispensation when he married Anne and had to admit to the affair because of degrees of consanguinity. Consanguinity? God damn. I've got to be about to start my period. I've had half a drink and I can't talk. It's a good thing we have a podcast. It's a perfect audio medium. Consanguinity is your proximity to, in bloodline, right? Correct. Okay. That's, that's what I said. I'm about to start my period. Like, I was... It's the worst. Okay. I went to walk at the Y today, and I was just like, oh, this is... I'm I'm mad at everyone. No, I went <laughs> to the grocery store to get happy, because, like, I'm the extrovert that just likes to go and interact with strangers. I literally barked the dude away who was trying to load the groceries in our trashy divorces tote bag because he was doing a shitty job. Like he was sucking and he put like four things in a tote bag that could hold at least 19 to 23 of the things had they been packed properly. When I cook some of the 15 steaks you brought home, <laughs> I am also going to make you a baked potato. And that is my promise to you. Okay, back to this. Seriously, we're having a crabby day. Okay, but we're not crabby with y'all. No. Y'all rock. <clears throat> I'm crabby with Henry VIII because he's a fucker. He was. Okay, so consanguinity. He has to get a dispensation to marry Anne. And back in the day, there's this other rumor that Henry actually had an affair with Mary and Anne's mother, who was reputed to be a great beauty. And Henry, this is what's been recorded, never with the mother, just the sisters, never with the mother. So with the mother is what you're saying, right? No, never with the mother. No, that's like, what they said? That's what Henry said. Never with the mother. So totally with the mother. No. No, no. I like seriously no. With Mary, yes. With Anne, yes, but with the mother, no. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty verified on that. Okay. I can go into it. I didn't talk about her because it's she's not a real one. Okay. It's just trashy that he was like, Well, yeah, I did it with both the kids, but I ne never with the mother. Okay. <clears throat> sweating sickness. Fuck the sweating sickness, dude. We're gonna Sounds have like to they needed more of it. Spin off on the sweating sickness. The dude that Mary Boleyn has been married to, William Carey, dies from the sweating sickness. And Mary Boleyn, like, we love her story. She remarries totally for love. Like, it's like Princess Bride. Like, the dude with nothing. And she returns briefly to court during Anne's reign and admits her secret. And Anne's pissed. And Mary's banished for her indiscretion and lives out her days with her handsome farmer husband in the Essex countryside and is bedded and boarded and lives the happiest life ever. Henry's affair with both of his two confirmed mistresses right now, Bessie Blount and Mary Boleyn, are known totally by accident. If Henry Fitzroy, right, hadn't been around mother of the king's son, like been declared legitimate for Christ's sakes, or if Henry 
didn't have to admit his affair with Mary Boleyn in order to get the dispensation for Anne. Historians, because he was so undercover, would totally judge him as the most faithful husband that's ever husband to Catherine of Aragon. Which are lies. 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 All right. Enter Boleyn girl number two, Anne. Comes in as a lady-in-waiting to... Catherine of Aragon. Hire ugly girls, Catherine. Hire ugly girls. It's not hard. Anne actually did. Anne Boleyn finds some homelier girls to be in her court where she can. Anyway, uh, again, Henry, not a womanizer, but he likes affairs. Catherine of Aragon is determined to ignore Anne and the one he's having with her like she does the other ones. Like maybe he'll get bored. But Anne, okay, uh, we're going to get here. Henry's obsessed their love letters are in the Vatican. He's infatuated in the our Tudor book club rotating book, Divorce, Beheaded, Survived. There is a case to be made that Anne like, lit, literally spends a year pushing him back over and over again. Like, dude, I have a ton of other beau. I really don't like you. I don't want to date my sister's cast-offs. And he's begging constantly. And like... And seeing how this show goes down. She's back from the French court. She's sophisticated as fuck. She's in her mid-20s. She needs a husband. And his mistresses always get married off in a convenient way. And it's typically never a love match. And Anne's not going to go down for all that. Like, Anne's a fucking catch. And you don't go from mistress to queen. Like, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, that's not a that's not a career path. Yeah. Emotional cancer, cardinal man. Now he just has to have her letters and gifts, right? So it takes like a year, but she casts her lot with him and I'll give you a son and let's marry me. So Henry plays, I need to get a divorce, right? From like 1526 to like 1531. And Catherine of Aragon, as we know, not going to go down lightly. And even though... (laughs) Like, Catherine doesn't have a kid. Anne's young. She can do it all. And Henry legit is going to tear it all down, create a new religion, which lets him marry Anne in 1532 and grants his own divorce. Like you do. Religious scholar. And oh, yeah, Anne's preggers with a girl born in September, Elizabeth the one. Hmm. Anne of a thousand days, right? So Anne maybe has as many as three more pregnancies and maybe and three more miscarriages. What happens during the time of these pregnancies? Henry's going to fuck around. This is our third confirmed mistress, Mad Shelton. She's Anne's cousin. This begins early in 1535 and lasts a few months. There's one subjective rumor that Anne actually encouraged this. Like, I'm pregnant if you need to fuck around because you can't let your semen back up or whatever. Keep it in the family if you have to fuck around. We know of this affair from everybody's favorite dipshit asshole Spanish ambassador, mm-hmm. Chapuy. Chapuy. Oh, Eustace Chapuy, it up your ass, writes that Henry has renewed and increased the love which he formerly bowed to another very handsome lady of his court and attempts to dismiss the damsel from her service. Chapuy. Is, huh? Chapuy. Chapuy. Madge is short-lived. Early in 1536, Madge mm-hmm. is engaged to Henry Norris mm-hmm. because Henry's got to right, right, marry him marry in case Mala. they get pregnant. Yeah. Well, poor Henry Norris, if you remember, loses his head along with Annie B that May. Ooh. 
was he was he trying to free up his mistress again? <laughs> Sorry. I... Henry Norris, if you remember, is one of the men that was accused of adultery with Anne. Sure. Mad Shelton doesn't go away, though. She's suggested as a potential wife for the widowed king two years later. But she marries another man, lives well into the reign of Elizabeth the One. Okay. Well, that's good. Okay. Also, during another one of Anne's pregnancies, because Anne's pregnant, he finds himself a sweet little honey in her court, Jane Seymour. Sure. Future wife. Waiting to Anne Boleyn. Next wife, actually, right? Yeah. Like, he just goes to the next room. Like, he doesn't have to look far. All right. So, remember, 1536, January, Catherine of Aragon dies. Anne Boleyn is his legitimate wife. She's pregnant. She miscarries. He starts his affair with Jane Seymour. Joust for real gets in the accident. Knocked off his horse. Unconscious for hours. And now legitimacy, right, becomes a fucking big deal. We have Princess Mary. We have Princess Elizabeth. We have Henry Fitzroy waiting in the wings. But that head trauma changes his personality. He changes at this point from a handsome, dashing, most handsome, celebrated king in Europe to five months later beheading his wife. And it only gets worse from there. Like Henry, Henry kills people for political reasons. Mary, Bloody Mary, his daughter kills a Fuckload more people, but her reasons are all religious. Yeah, yeah. She had a bad. Henry kills people because they dare argue with him. We're going to talk about some of him, his most famous killings in a future episode. But how dare you cross me off? Okay. Anyway. <sighs> and beheaded. He marries Jane. Jane has a son. Jane dies. But now he has a replacement to the throne. He's really starting to be on his manic, it's all going to go downhill from here, but loose and fancy free, right? Dead wife, heir, legitimate heir to the throne, so he's going to have some affairs. These are short-lived. A few are recorded. Just remember, he's got an icky rotting leg now from the accident in 1536, and he's turned into a real shit bag. And international eligible brides, remember Holbein, is traveling around the country right. painting eligible women. Right. Early tender. So, <laughs> so wipe right. Swipe left. Left. I'm not I, sure. This happened after we, we were together. We swiped so long ago. <laughs> so Henry is finding it where he can in England. So most of these are rumors, but let's go ahead and talk about a few of these ladies. The first rumored affair, Mary Fitzroy. This, yeah, is Henry VIII's daughter-in-law. She's also the first cousin of Anne Boleyn. This rumor is sparked when Lady Mary's father, the third Duke of Norfolk, who is a Howard. Norfolk. Norfolk, who is a Howard, who is either Anne's. It's not Catherine Howard's uncle. It's either Anne or Mary's father or their uncle. I'm not sure which was the Duke of Norfolk at this time. Anyway, he suggests his daughter is a wife. Oh, it's got to be the uncle. Because he suggests his wife is a daughter to Henry Fitzroy, and uh, but then and they marry, Mary Howard, Mary Fitzroy was Mary Howard originally. I'm sorry, I'm confusing this all. Mary Howard marries Henry Fitzroy. Henry Fitzroy dies. She is suggested as another possible bride for Henry the Eighth. Ooh, no. My father-in-law. Yeah, no. Thank you. 
also the cousin of your dead wife. Anyway, Lady Mary stubbornly never marries anyone at the English court. All right, next up. Sound. Sound judgment. <laughs> All right. Margaret Skipworth is rumored to have had a brief affair with King Henry in 1538 before Henry moves on to Lady Anne Bassett. Lady Margaret Skipworth received a fine marriage and her husband was gifted money and a title by the king. Because that's how you raise your guy up in the court of Henry VIII. But he dumped Margaret's, dumps Margaret Skipworth. He's on to Anne Bassett. <laughs> who is stepdaughter of the king's uncle. She gets appointed to lady-in-waiting for Jane Seymour at the very end, Anne of Cleves, Catherine Howard, and Mary I. Her mother lives in Calais. Her dad's like the mayor of Calais. They managed to wrangle a place for her in court. There are rumors of an affair with Henry. Henry purchases her a horse and rather fine saddle and bridle, having sent her to the country to recover her health from a mysterious illness. Mm-hmm. Of pregnancy? A mysterious illness. Now, all this is pretty tenuous, but Henry does uh, send girls into the country for their health a few times. It it fits the pattern. He also fucks around with Elizabeth Carew, the wife of his close friend, Nicholas Carew, who's also a first half cousin of Anne Boleyn. Everyone's related to Anne Boleyn. She gets a mink coat, diamonds, and a private tilting yard for her trouble. Lady Jane, or Jane Mutas, uh, Ashley Ashley, who I'm assuming is related to Catherine Ashley. We'll talk about Cat Ashley when we talk about E1. Um, is housed as Lady Anne Bassett in 1538 and 1539. She's reported to have an affair with Henry and again received payment and well wishes when the affair finished. Okay. Along comes AOC, Anne of Cleves, Anne everybody's Cleves. favorite. Six months, in and out. But three cheers for AOC, wife number four, feeling good as hell. Her tenure lasts from January to July 1540. Out with Anna Cleves, in comes Catherine Howard, who was in, a- in Anna of Cleves's court, super young. She has some nefarious uncles, those fucking Howard brothers, mm-hmm. which are an episode all to themselves. I wish I could make this story less trashy. Um... Henry divorces Anne of Cleves, marries Catherine Howard, who is a kid and likes the dresses and the jewels and legit is a sexual assault victim from her childhood. Like she is a victim of the circumstances she's in without enough life experience. And she doesn't give one wit about fucking around which she does because she's married to a crippled, smelly old man. And you don't tell the king no when your uncles are pressuring you and your entire family is banking on you to retain favor after your cousin Anne blew it. Okay. So all of her cheating, it all comes out. Henry's still a broken man from Annie B's betrayal, which were all lies. This one's all real, but Catherine Howard done, beheaded. K. Parr, up next, widow, older. In no way did they fuck before marriage. They were married till he died. Can't say, uh, uh, he was dirty and smelly and rotten and mean, mean, mean by this point. But during this marriage, it was speculated that he would divorce her and look for a seventh wife. Any guesses on who that was going to be? You're never going to guess. Catherine Willoughby. Nope. Who is the close friend? <laughs> Can we call her Seabiz? Seabizzle? K-Biz. K yeah. Catherine Willoughby. Oh, is it K? K-Biz. Right. K K-Biz is BFFs with Catherine Parr 
And she's also the widow of Charles Brandon, who is Henry's brother-in-law, who was married to Princess Mary, his sister, until Mary's death. Okay. Okay. Henry is said to have been interested in Catherine Willoughby, K-Biz, only after his best friend dies. Charles Suffolk's his best friend. Like, I'm going to marry your... But I'm already... Oh, he's such a trash bag. She was considered suitable as wife number seven, although it's the just king best, is dead long lived. It's just king. best that he died when he did, and it might have been better if he died sooner. Yeah, that takes care of the court mistresses of Henry VIII. Are there more? There are some more rumored children, uh, either because they were gifted money or left money in Henry's will. Some of these are very unusual. These are lower-born women, women who would not have played well as mistress in the court system, but easy enough to fucking go. During the time of pregnancies, if he wasn't in a big, fat love affair, it was very easy to turn to women of the lower classes who were considered to be more earthy and would not complicate lines of dynastic inheritance. First one of these, Jane Pollard. She's the wife of this dude named Hugh Stuckley. He's a knight for the king. She has a son in the early 1520s that this would not be at all worth mentioning unless you see his fucking resume. He has an entire career spanning in piracy, being a double agent and a forger. He is Henry VIII's standard bearer in 1547. He's a total fraudster, but apparently the rumor that he is... The son of Henry VIII is very well believed. Not only is he a dead ringer for Henry VIII, but Edward VI, Queen Mary, and Elizabeth all let him get away with serious, legitimate murder throughout their reigns. Hmm. He is riled up and counted up so many times for, like, being a fucking criminal. And they're like, ah, that Tom, it's fine. It's fine. It's weird is what it is. Okay, next up, Mary Berkeley. Mary Berkeley had been married in 1526 to her uncle's ward, a dude named Thomas Parrott, settling in Pembrokeshire. Parrott had been knighted by Henry that year. He was a great hunter. The thinking is that Mary Berkeley was placed in Catherine's household, putting the both of them at court. Mary's eldest son, John, is born in November 1528, and again, dead fucking ringer to the king. Yeah, these are all gendry from Game of Thrones. Yeah, that there you go. Henry VIII once intervenes to prevent him from being punished after being drawn into a brawl. Later, this dude, piracy, debt, deception, scandal, uh, his reputed parentage uh, gets him out of a lot of retribution Although he eventually does die in the tower on charges of treason, he leads a pretty high life. Last one. Okay. Joan Dingley. She is employed as a royal laundress. She has a daughter, Ethelrelda, or Audrey. Malty. This girl is raised by not her father, but one of the cutters in the king's wardrobe. So the guy who cut mm-hmm. patterns out of the cloth. Sure. His name is John Maltry. And she is, the daughter is always referred to as Audrey, his base daughter. They received a grant of 
over 1,300 pounds from the king while he was laying on his deathbed, Hmm. which is a significant sum for mere servants. Nothing more is known of Joanna or her daughter. Interesting. So, Henry VIII, three confirmed mistresses up to seven or eight, depending on who you believe, children that did live that would never claim the throne. The parrots out there are really uh, adamant about this claim, which is very funny. I've been in English peerage and lineage all day. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, that's Trashy Tudors and all the side pieces of <laughs> Hank the Eight. That's kind of shitbag. more than I expected, honestly. Y'all, thanks everybody for tuning in today and listening. Don't forget, if you love the Tudors and you liked this episode, this is your lucky week. Alicia, what have you done for the people? I have refreshed our episodes on our free episode from Patreon link. That is bit.ly slash trash candy. It is. If you like today's episode, you're really going to like what I pulled over and cultivated for you. We've got a two-parter with Henry VIII's love letters to Anne Boleyn. We have a follow-up episode on Henry VIII's reproductive woes. And once again, for all of our Leos out there, I put our Trashtrology episode for Leos. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Trashtrology. Thanks again, y'all, for spending your time with us today, for all of your kind reviews, for telling a friend about our podcast, too. Y'all are simply just the best. Until we see you back on Wednesday, friends, keep those hands clean. Keep those hearts trashy. Big love. Have a wonderful week. Bye, friends. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy y'all.